Well, I'm excited to be here with you this morning. And uh, the first service was very interactive. We, there was a give and take, and hopefully to this morning will be like that as well. Um, I'm going to start this morning and ask a question. My question today is, life is, do you believe that life is full of unexpected turns? Would you agree? If you agree with that, put your hand up. Life is full of unexpected turns. Our best laid plans can go awry sometimes, and not all the time, but sometimes when our best laid plans go awry, we can act in a way that's not so Christian. Amen? Oh, we're admitting it. It's true. Sometimes we, someone cuts you off in traffic. Not so friendly response. Boss treats you unfairly, or you get, you're in an environment at work, and the coworker you just have that one or two. They're just evil, eh? So what do you do? What do you do with that? Do you, do you gossip? Do you sabotage? Do you sneak into the fridge and steal their lunch? <laughs> Go and hide it and eat it? What about at home? Family members, sometimes overwhelming, unbearable. You get sibling rivalry, causing deep-seated emotion, deep-seated resentment. What do you do about that? How do you act? And what about the church? What about people in the church, people you don't like? What? We like everybody. No, people fight in the church. People fight in the church. People, people gossip. There's jealousy and envy. How do you handle that? What do you do? Something, someone wrongs you? Do you go to that person? Hey, brother, hey, sister, let's talk about this. Or do you go to, go to Facebook social network and put like a, a real mystic a mystic uh, post up, and you're like, oh, hate on the church moment. Well, as we dive into the next section of the book of Philippians, we come to a section where Pastor Paul is instructing his congregation in matters of faith, conduct, and unity within the body. If you're new with us or you're just visiting, or visiting and you haven't been here for a couple of weeks, Pastor Rick, our senior leader, our senior pastor, has been taking us through the book of Philippians and talking about the joy that is found in the book. So first week he taught us about our identity in Christ. We will find joy when we know and understand that we are connected to Christ Jesus. We will also find joy in hardship. He taught us last week that it's coming. You've either, you're going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm, but hardship comes to the Christian. Suffering is a part of our walk. But Pastor Rick taught us last week that there, there can be such joy in that hardship, in that time. And this morning, as we pick up in our scriptures today, Paul is leading his church in the joy of unity, about coming together as God's church, coming together as one. So we're going to be doing that this morning, talking about how Paul has instructed his church to live that way. If you don't know a lot about the book of Philippians, uh, it's a church plant. Paul visited on his first mission tour, and he just fell in love with this, these, this group of people. He, he's writing, and he's talking like, it's like how we're talking to you. There's love, there's relationship, we know each other, we pray for each other, we're in each other's lives. That's the type of letter that is as coming across. And Paul is in prison, he's in chains, and we know from the reading of this that he might be just strapped to a, a Roman soldier, and he's writing these letters, and he's preaching the gospel to every person that he is connected to. So when we think of the context, we think that we got to remember that Paul is speaking to a colony of retired Roman soldiers who fully understood Paul and his predicament before the whole palace guard. Remember, people reading this letter from Pastor Paul would have retired from this type of, 
of life. They would have understood prisoners. They would have understood the changing of the guard. They would have understood being in chains. They would have understood some of the language that was being written uh, to them. They would have under, also understood the barbaric way of life, that they were trained in such a way that they would hurt people. If someone hurt them, they'd hurt them back. They, it, it wasn't just like, love your enemy. It's like, I'll punch you in the face. Like, that's the type of people they were called out of darkness and into marvelous light. They understood the soldier way. And as we pick up our scripture today, Paul is directing them from chains saying, in the days of head, as you serve Christ, don't look backwards. Don't go back to your former ways. You have to look ahead. You have to do things in a different way. You have to do things in a different way. And when we look at the church there, there was challenges in the church and there was challenges in the, concert, in the, in the culture that would give them an easy way to justify their sin and their actions. Much like today, there are things in our culture that challenge us, and we, we just want to maybe appease people or, or please people, so we'll, we'll compromise on our doctrine, we'll compromise on what we believe so that people feel good, when really, when you look at the Word of God, it's offensive, but it challenges us so that we will turn from our wicked ways and follow after Jesus. So today's sermon is a practical application of what we do when it all begins to fall apart. If you've been a Christian for more than a minute, you know that life in Christ is not easy, is it? It's hard. But every day, Christians, we, we compromise. We, uh, we justify our actions. And we live for ourselves first. But hopefully, as we look in God's word, as we see what Pastor Paul is writing to his congregation, we'll see that there is a different, a better way to live. Are you ready to jump in? Let's pray together. Let's get some prayer here. Father, we love you and we just come to you right now. And uh, Father, we've been worshiping you in spirit and in truth. And, and I was looking around and just people, people raising their hands and just singing at the top of their lungs. And, and, and God, just ascribing you praise and glory and worth. You are worthy, oh Lord. You are worthy, worthy are you. And Father, we just ask that you would come right now and just meet with us. And uh, Lord, we want to take your word today and we want to know it and we want to apply it so that we will, we will change. We will we'll, we'll change into the likeness of Christ. And, and God, we, we know that you have a sermon here. You directed by the power of the Holy Spirit to Paul to write to the church of Philippi. And, and we're here today and, and it, it works for us too. So God, I pray that you would help me deliver this. And uh, we love you, and we look for the results in Christ. We pray, amen. Amen. God's word is so important to us here at Calvary. We love it. We live by it. Everything, if you ask us a question, we'll say, well, what does the Bible say? We'll go back there. So today, as we, as we open up the scriptures, if you're able to stand, why don't we stand for God's word, and we'll read it together. So we're going to be in the book of Philippians. We're going to be in the first chapter. We're going to start at verse 27. We're going to go all the way to chapter 2, verse 11. So a little chunk here today. Let's begin. It says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, 
For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, One in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of the servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Paul begins with these two words. He says, whatever happens. And I say to Paul, why? Why would you choose those two words? Why would you choose whatever happens? Paul, why don't you use words like uh, in hard times? Why can't we say in hard times or in times when I've been wronged? Why can't I, uh, I use those times? Or uh, what about times when I just need a break? I just need a break. Or what about times when I just want to do me for a second? Why do you have to say, whatever happens? Well, Pastor Paul knows people. He knew and understand the culture. He knew and understand his people. He he knew that they were called out of darkness into wonderful light. And he put whatever happens, he put that because we would insert all kinds of justifications for our actions. See, Paul addresses the church with a whatever happens, do this attitude. That's what he's telling them. So, When sickness happens, when pain strikes, when relationships are hard, when the church is not easy, when the kids are unruly, when coworkers are just annoying, when parents don't see your point of view, when careers don't work out the way that you want, when your body is falling apart, and when the culture becomes strange, he's saying whatever happens, do we have any people in the house that got some sickness going on? Any sickness? Yeah, okay. How about some pain? You got pain in your life. If you got some pain going on, yeah, hands going up. Let's do this together. What about any hard relationships? Any hard relationships in the house? Got some hands going up. What about when church is not easy for you? It's not easy. Hands going up. What about you're, you're just praying for your kids? They're unruly. You just want them to follow the Lord, to come back and, and lead the Lord. Yeah, hands going up. How about coworkers? You got a, an awkward situation in your workplace, coworkers, okay. What about when parents don't see your point of view? Or you just got, you thought this was your career and then it's not working out for you. Your body is falling apart. Yeah, I was at the gym the other day, I'm working out, and my elbow hurt for two days. I couldn't figure out why my elbow was hurting. It was just I was lifting too much, putting too much strain. I'm thinking, I'm still young, this shouldn't be happening. I'm not young. I'm not young. I'm old. I'm getting old. 
What about when the culture becomes strange? It's becoming super strange. I just don't know. I just don't know anymore. It's so different. And I've actually become the father that, to the, my kids who are actually saying, turn down the music. I become that guy. Like, guys, are you deaf? Turn it down. Like, come on. Dad, you just don't understand. I'm like, I don't, I don't. I seriously don't. I need an adult. They're like, you're the adult. We're all in trouble. We're all in trouble. But when we look at God's word, he says, whatever happens, you got to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. We're going to do something a little different here today. We're going to talk to our neighbors. I don't want you to move, but maybe talk to the person to the left or your right. Maybe you're in the front. you got to turn around. I want you to do something with me today. I want you to turn around and tell someone else, whatever happens... Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Go. Listen to the roar. Pastor Kelvin, listen to that roar. We're discipling here. We're doing discipleship. It's the mandate. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Paul drops it on the church. He says, how you live your life matters. He says, that's my, that's my first point today. If you've got to fill in the blank sheet, my first point is stand up. Stand up. How you live your life in the midst of hardship matters. As one connected to Christ, stand up on your feet and conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Guys, every day, Christians, they give false testimony about their unity that they have with Christ because they allow circumstantial faith to tell their story, to tell the story of their lives instead of the life-changing power of the gospel. They'll look at their situations, their sickness, their relationships, those things, and they'll think, like, they'll act in such a way to kind of compensate or overshadow that, but when we all, all we have to do is really just go to the cross. Paul is teaching his church. He's saying, church, we got to grow up. He's saying, we got we to do things a little bit different. He says, don't whine about your circumstances. Don't gossip about your coworkers. Don't rip that person who just cut you off on the 401. He says, those actions for us here today, that's our old self. That's our old life. But, nothing, but not much has changed from the church, from this letter to the church of Philippi to us here today. Like, we still gossip. We still cut people off. We still ask act sometimes not Christ-like. And Paul is saying your actions, your actions in hardship are a megaphone announcing the power of God in the universe. I'll say that again. Your actions in hardship are a megaphone announcing the power of God in the universe. Paul tells the church, you have been redeemed. The new action of a person in the kingdom of God are those that are practically acting out chapter 2, verse 3. Look at it with me. Chapter 2, verse 3. We read it. What does it say? Do what? Do what? Do nothing. He's setting the tone for us. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He says, but in all humility, consider, your, consider others better than yourself. Here it is. Here's the big thing from that. You and I are number two in the kingdom of equation of kingdom living. You and I are number two in the equation of kingdom living. 
Say that with me. I am number two. I am number two in the kingdom equation of living. Think about that for a second, how Paul is writing that to the church. Whatever happens, okay, whatever happens, conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Why is that even important? Well, the gospel, what's the gospel, okay? The gospel is good news. Good news of what? Well, it's good news that God the Father sent Jesus to the earth. Okay. Why is that important? Well, Jesus lived a perfect life and obtained the righteousness needed for us sinners. We can't save ourselves. There's not an amount of good deeds or works that we can do to save ourselves. It's, it's all faith in Jesus. Okay. And Jesus had a perfect track record for living right and holy. Okay. So Jesus acts out the kingdom equation, putting himself second, loving us first. He goes to the cross, and he takes the punishment that is yours and mine. So Paul is saying to the church, we have to live our lives in such a way that others see that. That we are number two, and we put others first. We put God first. put others first. And Paul's saying that we need to mimic this. We need to copy this. We need to live this out. But when do we do this? Do we just do it in, in, in hard times? Well, in hard times, you're going through a hard time. You got to think about you. You go to Indigo at the mall, they got a whole self-help section, hundreds of books. You're in a hard time, you think you first. Is that when we're supposed to work that out? What about good times? Good times are a little better. Everything's really good in my life right now. I'm working out. Things are great. I'll put someone else first. Is that what Paul's talking about? What about in healthy times, when everything's going well and we're just feeling great? Is that when we help others? In sick times? No, in all times. He says, whatever happens, he says, stand to your feet. Get up. Proclaim the gospel to yourself. I have been saved by Christ. I am a new person. The old is gone. The new has come. Heartache and pain will come, but whatever happens... I will live a life reflecting the Savior I follow. Amen. How many of you preach that to yourself? I thought so. Did you bring a phone today? How many of you brought a phone today? Get your phones out. We're doing this together. Get your, get your phone out. All right. Open your camera. Open your camera. Let's do this together. Let's put it up. Flip it around to selfie mode. Uh, you're like, no, don't, he's not doing it. Yes, I am. Well, look at us. Instead of taking a picture, why don't you just swipe a little bit to video, get that on there, and hit record. We're live right now. What I want you to do is say this. Whatever happens this week, Whatever comes my way, I need to remember to live my life in a way that's worthy of the gospel. You just preach to yourself. Now this week when, when it gets rough, because <laughs> we know it's rough out there, right? In our families, in the workplace, it's rough. I want you to get your, your self-preaching 
I want you to get it out. I want you to play it. And think about that. Think about, think about what Paul's saying. He's saying, like, there are things coming our way. There are hardships coming our way. But Christ. But Christ. He's the great anchor of our hope. See, Paul wrote to the church he loved, and he was saying, don't settle. He wrote to another church, and he said, guys, you are on spiritual milk. I can't give you anything more because you won't get off the milk. He says, I want to get to the harder stuff. He says, but you're just living on the milk. Don't sit down on your faith. Sometimes that's what we do. I'm guilty of this too. Just have our own little pity party. We just sit down and we lay on the floor. And Paul's saying, don't sit down on your faith. Don't lie down on the floor. Don't act like an infant. Get to your feet. Get to the cross. And live the victorious life purchased for you in Christ. We are more than conquerors. Every time I say it, I want to sing the song. But I'm not going to sing. We are, no. We are more than conquerors because of Christ Jesus. If your address is in Christ, then we have true Christian unity. We are not enemies of God. We have been adopted into the family of God. We are his children. And Pastor Kelvin was talking about that this morning in his prayer, that God just doesn't leave us or forsake us. He carries us. He helps us. He instructs us. He allows us to go through situations so we'll learn the lesson to grow closer to him, to rely on him by faith alone, in Christ alone. So if you're in a season, you're in a moment, don't waste it. Go to Jesus and ask him, help me, Lord. And the joy of Christian unity in Christ will begin to flow. So my first point this morning is stand up. My second point, if you're filling out the blank, filling in the blanks, is stand together. Stand together. How you live your life with other Christians matter. It matters. See, you're not alone in this race. Tell your neighbor. They maybe tell a different neighbor. Go back to the same neighbor. I don't know. I don't care who you tell. You just tell somebody you're not in this race alone. That one was a little weaker than the first one. You're not in this race alone. We are together on this. Believers are called to stand as one. Stand together as one. Standing together displays the power of unity within the Christian church. Because you love God, you love others, and when others see you standing by a brother and sister contending for the faith, it shows the power of the living God. It's witnessing to others that we are in this as one. I ask myself, does Paul even care about Christian unity? When he's writing to his churches, like when he's writing from prison, he's thinking about them, does he, he care that they get along? Yes, he does. In one of, one of his letters, he writes to the church of uh, Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 1 through 4, we read these, these words, as a prisoner of the Lord. So Paul's still in chains writing to a different church. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He says, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called. He says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one faith of one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We need to stand together as one for everyone to see that there is no divide here 
We are in this together. We are standing by a brother and sister. We are moving forward. Christians are called to stand together in the body. And Paul is reminding his congregation that you need to look out for others who are near in the body. But if we read his full book, we notice that there are people in his churches that are stirring up stuff. There are people who are in the church that are complaining. They're, they're not seeing themselves as, as a, a oneness. They're, just, they're, they're looking at it as a great divide. There's me and then there's you. There's me and then there's you. And he, Pastor Rick taught us last week that there were some even in this church and outside in the community that were preaching Christ out of envy and different reasons to stir up trouble for Paul. Paul, in his attitude, says, I don't care the reasons as long as Christ is being preached. But it is something to look into because there are people in both the culture and the church who were, who were not standing as one. They were causing great divides. And we fast forward to today's church culture. We have people who say, I don't feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I belong. We have people that say, that person was not nice to me. Pastors say, well, did you go to them and talk to them? No. I can't find a place to serve. I'm not connected. Here's the hard part of those statements. If you're in Christ, then it's your responsibility too to love others and do life together. We have to take the onus a little bit on ourselves and be accountable for our actions as well. If you're, if you're saying that there's, uh, there's chances, sorry, if you're saying that, then there's chances you're not standing in the one together attitude. See, this is a hard teaching. This hard teaching. But you have to find a way to connect. You have to find a way in the body. And when you look at, I'll just take our church, let's just make it practical, practical application. Calvary has been set up in such a way that it allows people to come in, hear the truth through the scriptures, receive Christ. Christ does the saving. We just faithfully want to preach. And then he equips the body and then we serve the body. So when you come in, we have over a thousand people, do you know, over a thousand people connecting, serving here, doing life together. And there are many more places for people to connect, new people, older people, any people, people who've been here for a long time. Christian unity needs to be bottled in the church so people can see. And the one who needs to model that is Christ. We need to get our eyes focused on Christ. How did he model his life for us? What did he do? Paul addresses this in the verse I read. He says, any encouragement of being united with Christ. He's, he doesn't say united with me. He doesn't say united with the church of Philippi. He doesn't say united with the, the church of Calvary. He says united with Christ. He says any encouragement. He says any comfort from his love. Any fellowship with his spirit. Any tenderness and compassion from Christ our Lord. But here's the problem. And I'm guilty of this myself. Christians try to get all those things from people, from pastors, from leaders in the church. And that's not the pattern. If you're not happy with the local church body, then you need to hear me on this. And I'm preaching myself. I'm preaching to myself. We may need to stop looking at people, and we need to get our eyes really focused on Jesus. Because we are united to Christ, and we look to him to fill us not people. We have to stop making people in the church, in our workplaces, in our families, equal to God. Because we're not. 
We're not equal to God. There's a great divide. He is holy, worthy, the great I am. I am the great nothing in comparison, in comparison to Christ. We need to make sure that we are always going to the cross. We are going there because if we read the word of God, if we study it, if we highlight it, if we pull and extract things, if we exegete it, we're going to learn that it is God who saves. It is God who justifies. It is God who regenerates. It is God who adopts us into the body. It is God who graces us with the gift to serve. It is God who equips us with his spirit. It is God who transforms our minds, hearts, and communities. You see, we need to look to God for all these things. And when, when he lavishes them out on us, when he pours them out, we get filled up, get excited. We come into the local church body and say, I'm full. I'm full of Christ. I'm full of what he wants me to do. Who do I love? Who do I love? Who do I serve? And we become number two in this equation. We begin to pour out. And what happens? What happens when this happens in the local church? The church becomes a deep well of love and grace and truth and belonging. If you're not experiencing this, get before Christ. Ask God to save you. If you're saved, ask God to fill you. Ask God to help you understand what your gifting is. Then work at that gifting, sharpening it. And then as you're being built up, as God is, is restoring you, as he's building you up, you come back in the local church and you just pour it out like a drink offering. Then you go back out through the week and you study and you get hard, you get, get, get it all built up again. And then you come in and maybe you're working on a Tuesday with children or a Wednesday with you or a Thursday with young adults and you're just pouring out your life saying, God, my life is a testimony built for you. How do I serve? Philippians 2.4 says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. How do we know if we're missing the mark? How do we know if we miss, miss the mark? I know, sometimes I come in, I'm going to sit with you, I come in and Pastor Rick is preaching, and I'm sitting right there, somewhere there, and I'm thinking, yeah, man, that's great truth. It doesn't apply to me, though, because I'm good. This is a high thing. <laughs> doesn't apply to me, though. So how do we know? How do we know if we're missing the mark? Well, self-diagnosis. Diagnosis. How would you answer these questions? How do I feel about the local church? Do I look at it as, a, as just a place I go or as a part of me? I'm a part of it. Am I standing with the local church? Am, am, I, am I praying for the pastors? Am I praying for the leadership? Am I behind the local church? Because I'm a part of it. Am I supporting others who need me or am I complaining about others? I, I know that I have at least one spiritual gift. Pause, you have probably more than one. Back in. But am I using it to build the body or am I letting my talent that was deposited in me by the Holy Spirit go to the wayside? What about my identity? Do I look for my identity in people or do I look for my identity in God? Is there room to grow in this area? Am I building unity or sowing seeds of discord? How would you answer those questions? 
for me personally, I got some work to do. I can be better in these areas. And we need to remember that God is for his church. He loves his bride. He calls her a radiant bride. He saved her. He saves us and makes us a part of his bride, his church. He calls you and I to encourage others in Christ. He's gifted each of us to serve the church. He calls you to love others. And he calls you to love him first and not to have other gods or idols in that place. And when Paul is writing to the church that he loves so dearly, that they love him in response and care for him so much, he says, stand together. Guys, as you stand together, it will be a sign for people outside of Christ that are trying to, trying to destroy the name and work of our Lord and Savior. He says, we need to be one united front. They look at us and they are trembling in fear because we know whose we are and we know the end of the book. We need to stand together. By us standing up and standing together without fear, we show the hope of the world who is Christ Jesus. When we stand up and stand together, we announce that there, there is judgment coming for those outside the body of Christ, that there will come a time when the followers will be saved and those outside of Christ will be judged. And this should be a, a, a great demonstration, not of pride, but of humility. Like, we're together on this. We're living a way that is different than the world. Do you see it? Come and join us. Come and hear this message of hope and be a part of the followers of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we stand together. By standing up and standing together, we show the love of Christ to a dark world. Christ has declared Christians as light. You're light. He said, you are the light of the world. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about bringing this in, but I had to shut off the lights and I didn't want to do that. It'd be weird. But I was thinking of a glow stick. When you go to the dollar store or a party store and you purchase a glow stick, it's just a glow stick. It doesn't glow until it's broken, until it's shook up. We start to grow when we are, not when Christ breaks us, but when we, we understand whose we are. And we get that identity and we get that locked into our hearts and we, we get that, that known in our, in our families and, and we move forward, we begin to shine. Christ says, you're light. You'll walk into a room and you'll change the room because of my spirit, because of my grace, because of my plan. So Paul is saying in this passage, whatever happens, we got to stand up and we got to stand together. We got to stand up and we got to stand together. You're filling in the blanks. My last one is, my last point is we got to stand firm. Stand firm. How you contend for the faith matters. You see, you and I are called to defend the gospel. You will be opposed, but do not fear. By standing up and standing together, you can stand firm and move forward. See, contending for the gospel is the responsibility of all the believers. Christ calls us to lay down our lives and to pick up our cross daily and follow after him. He is our great example of this. Let Christ set the pattern in your life and follow. When we think about Jesus, we think about his life, when we, we begin the book of the God, we begin the gospels, we start reading. After Christ's baptism, he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by the, the devil. He rejects the devil or he re rebukes the devil with, his, with the word of God. 
So that's a, a good point for us, that we should base our lives, any opposition in our lives, on the word of God. And then he goes out, and what does he do? He begins to preach in all the towns. And what is he doing? He's telling them about the kingdom, the kingdom that is coming. See, Jesus went around proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. We, too, are called to follow that example and make every opportunity of the gospel sharing or defending the gospel. That is our mission. So we look at Jesus, and then we see this in the life of Paul. When we look at the book of Acts, and Paul's out doing his first mission tour around, and he goes to the church of Philippi, as Pastor Rick has taught us a few weeks ago. Uh, He's in the Philippians' domain. He's preaching and teaching, but there's a time where he gets arrested, and he's beaten. It's in Acts 16. He's beaten. He's put in jail. And even though he was a Roman citizen, he didn't get a trial, which was, he was supposed to get. But in that hard situation, he was given no trial. But he lived his life in such a way that a jailer and his whole household were saved. Do you remember that story? Earthquake. They're in the dungeon singing. Doors fly open. Jailer thinks the guy, that the guys are gone. Draws out his sword. He's about to stab himself. Going to fall on his sword. Paul runs out and says, no, no, no we're, we're still here. Like, don't do that. Your life matters. Don't do that. What does the scriptures record? That the jailer asked Paul a question. What was the question? You know the question? What must I do to be saved? Not what must I do to come to your church? What must I do to uh, 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 read the Bible? What, how, to understand the Bible? What must I do to get into a small group? He says, what must I do to be saved? Paul was living his life in such a way that the gospel he got gospel questions asked to him. And that is, uh, is what we're called to do. You see, God will put us in all kinds of situations. Hard situations, good situations, unexpected situations. We will have hard moments, but in all things, contend for the gospel. Share the truth of Christ and his powerful story of redemption. Stand up. Stand together. Stand as one. Church. We need to do this. We need to be together on this. We need to live our lives uh, as Christ did, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human, human likeness. What does that even mean? Well, it's actually very simple. It's a very complex theology that it's actually very simple when you think about it. It means that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And when he came to the earth, still fully God, but also with a human nature, he chose to set his attributes aside. He could still access them. We know that from when he was talking to Pontius Pilate. He said, bro, he didn't actually say bro, (laughs) but he said, I could call a legion of angels down right now. So he had that power and it was ready. But in his humility, he set it aside so that he could go forth with the plans of God. That's what that means. He came to serve. We too need to look to the Father and ask, God, how can I serve your kingdom today? Not build my own. How can I share the gospel with my neighbors? Will you give me opportunities to share? Can I tell a story? Like a story? One of our young adults, I asked her a couple weeks ago if I could share this, and she said yes. I asked her, her mom's not doing too well. She's in palliative care at the hospital. And uh, I asked her this question. I said, do you know if your mom's saved? And she says, I think so. Like, she comes to church, and I've shared the gospel. We talk about God. And I said, well, can I, can I go visit her at the hospital? And she says, yeah. 
Um, so I, I prayed and I called some people in our church who are faithful prayer warriors and I said, okay, will you pray with me that, that I could get a, a moment to share the gospel with this person? They, we all began to pray. Remember the day I got up, it was my birthday. I was nervous. I was praying that God would just allow an opportunity to just for me and her just to be alone to talk about, to talk about the importance of, of knowing Jesus. So I get to the hospital, a little shaken. You ever get nervous talking about Jesus when it's a big moment? Like, I get nervous still, shaking a little bit. I remember being on the elevator shaking, pushing the numbers. <laughs> we get up to the room, and I go in, and there's no one in there except her and me. It's like, oh, praise the Lord. So we sit down, and I begin chatting, and she's very friendly and very open. We're talking about her family, how she loves her, loves her family, and just an amazing moment. And then we got to spiritual things. She, was at, she knows my wife. She was asking about Laura. And then we were talking about God. And I, I was praying for this moment, and then I, I straight up asked her. I said, do you know Jesus Christ? Like, not about him. Do you know him personally? Like, have you ever in your life asked God, like, God, I want you to save me? I want you to be the Lord of my life. And she looked back to me and she said, no. And I said, do you want to? Because let me tell you about this life in Christ. And I was able to share the full gospel with her. And at the end of that, I was able to pray with her. And at that moment, she became a follower of Christ. And it was a remarkable moment that God had set up in his provision. So that was a few weeks ago. So I went Thursday to visit her again. And I brought her a Bible we, we spent a, about an hour together talking and sharing and praying, and then I, I read the book of James to her. I get a text message a few hours later from her daughter, who is over the moon, saying that my mom's reading through the New Testament. Like, she's rocking this. She's getting through. That means I'm almost done. <laughs> but what I want to get back to is, in all areas of our life, God's going to give us opportunities to share, to be on the front lines. And as one of your pastors, I want to say, church, please draw close to God. Ask him to pray, to give you divine appointments, to give you support. Help him, ask him to, to teach you or to show you who you need to love on in the church or support or work with. He says, Paul says, will you make my joy complete by doing this together as one? And I, I love how he pleaded with his congregation from a pastoral heart. And I know that's our pastor's vision as well, that we would stand up, that we would stand together, and that, would, that we would stand firm, and that we would go and fulfill the Great Commission. I pray that God has moved your heart today. I hope you're catching the love that Paul has for his church. I hope you're catching the love that we have for you. We are one in this. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so very much for your grace this morning. And Father, I thank you for Paul's life. I thank you that it is a testimony of hardship and pain and hurt, but in, an all, in it all, he did not compromise. He stayed true to, to what you have called him to do. And this morning, God, we have opened up your word and we have learned that we are called to do that as well. So God, I pray that you would mend hearts this morning, that you would bring healing to lives. 
that you would unite us as one in Christ. Jordan said it at the end of the song. It's great to get all, if, if we're all getting along, but it's nothing if we're not getting along in Christ. So God, I pray that today for us, as we worship you in spirit and truth, will you come and minister to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fully trust in Jesus' name. Paul exhorts the Philippians, let your manner, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Paul is not suggesting that people can earn salvation with a worthy life through actions, through work. No one in this life or the next will be, a, be worthy of the gospel in that sense. Because the gospel is the good news about someone else's worth and work. And as we go today, let our lives reflect someone else's worth and work. We, we, may you and I be ambassadors of Christ this week. And when, get, when it gets rough, get your little video out. May it remind you this week that you're living in Christ, for Christ, and he is with you. If you would like prayer, your pastors would be at the front. Have a great weekend. Bless you.